let's dive in, and, and I want to start. Um, I want to start with the word um, and and open up to scripture. We've kind of been uh, we we've been learning through the words of Jesus, right? He was asked the question, "Who is my neighbor?" His answer was the Good Samaritan parable. We did that in week one. We're asking this question, and now we've kind of been looking at some of his examples. And um, and actually, as I was preparing this message, it actually went a different direction than I was expecting uh, the Holy Spirit to take me. And I'm excited about where we've landed. Um, but we're going to uh, turn to John chapter 19, uh, verse 9 through 11. And we're going to peek into just a little moment in a, in a really popular story. Um, this would typically be a passage that's going to be read more around the Easter season. Um, uh, this is really leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. He's already been taken into custody. Um, and we see this profound moment that is worth referencing where um, his disciples were ready to gear up for war. They even brought a sword to his arrest, and Peter cut the ear off of, um, off of one of the servants, and, and Jesus actually puts the ear back on, heals the man's ear, and is like, this is not our approach. This is not how we handle authority. This is not how we're going to handle this situation. Um, and he gets taken into custody completely unjust, right? It, it, he had done no wrong. There was no crime. And these Jewish leaders were really trying to set him up um, with Pontius Pilate and, and the Roman authorities and trying to say, hey, he's done all these wrong things. Um, but Pontius Pilate, he was really confused by this. He's like, I just don't see what this man has done. I don't see why he's been taken into custody, let alone why you want to crucify him. This is our worst punishment. Like, it doesn't get worse than that. Like, and you're leading out with wanting this. I just don't see it. And so um, there's actually this moment that's not talked about that much where um, he, he took Jesus back into the headquarters, into his office, basically, and asked him, where are you from? He's trying to, like, understand Jesus. He's trying to have a conversation. He's honestly, what we see with his character is he's, he's got a little bit of empathy, actually, and he's trying to connect. He's trying to understand. Um, here's this um, sort of foreign uh, um, Jewish leaders that he doesn't fully understand, pressing something. He's trying to get, why is this guy, Jesus, in custody? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? And another translation even says that I have the authority to release you or crucify you. Then Jesus said, you would have no power. You would have no authority over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Here we see Jesus say something as it pertains to his own life that we actually see him teach consistently and that the whole New Testament actually backs. It's this idea that authority actually comes from above, that God is actually the giver of authority. And here he looks at Pilate and goes, I'm just, I'm submitting to your authority and I realize that God even gave you any authority that you have. And so here I am, it's you have no power, you have no authority unless it were given to you from above. And today I want to begin to ask the question of how does the question, who is my neighbor, pertain to those in authority? How does, how does this question, how would Jesus relate this question to um, our bosses, maybe even our parents, our teachers, our, 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 our political leaders? How would Jesus connect the who is my neighbor question because again, what we've broken down that who is my neighbor is not an answer of proximity. It's not determined by your literal neighbors, as in like my next door neighbor, or the people in my neighbor 
hood. If it only did, we could all be really challenged, right? Like we all need to love our literal neighbors better. Half the time we don't even know any of the names of our neighborhood, let alone talk to them. Um, right? So there's, it's not just proximity, it's not just agreement. We talked about this. It's the Jews believed this, that once you believed what they believed religious, uh, religious ideology-wise, then you were a neighbor. If you were a Jew, it's not even just a prerequisite isn't unity. It's who God has put in your path that he's calling you to serve. Real people that you naturally want to pass by. It's the least of these. These moments where you're like, I don't want to. I don't want to serve them. I don't want to come under. I don't want to support them. I actually want to avoid them. I want to get away from them. I, I, I'll do anything to not be around them. I, I dislike them. I disagree with them. Over and over again, Jesus emphasizes our relationship and how we handle people that we don't click with, right? He doesn't spend a lot of time applauding people for loving those that love them, right? He doesn't spend a lot of time telling you what a great job it was to serve those who are serving you. And it's sort of this exchange. He spends a lot of time teaching about how do you handle yourself when you've been unjustly arrested and you're, you're in custody and your life's on the line. He goes, I'm going to give such an example of the words that come out of my mouth. I'm going to give such an example for every Christ follower from here until my return to follow. I want you to follow my example on how I responded to the authorities of the day. And this makes sense because um, if, you, if you read scripture, if you take it with a fresh lens, I believe you can come to the conclusion that all leadership in the kingdom of God is predicated on service, not status. Leadership in the kingdom is the first shall be last. The greatest servant ultimately becomes the greatest leader. That the person who supports the most people, who comes under the most people, who selflessly loves the most people, honestly garners the most authority in the kingdom of God. Now here's the problem. We are bringing the kingdom of God to earth with others here as a community of faith. But how many of you know the kingdom of God has not fully come yet? We live in the world. And all of the leaders of the world don't adhere to this way of thinking. They don't see service as a prerequisite to status. They're going to fight for it. They're going to cut for it. They're going to hurt for it. They're going to do whatever they can to get their status so they feel like they can have a sense of of authority. Remember, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. So how the world views authority, we actually view it the opposite. It's actually really easy to understand. Literally, think about world leaders. Think about what, what it takes to get ahead in the climbing the corporate ladder. Whatever example you might have, think about what it takes to get ahead in politics. Think about what it takes to get ahead in the world. The kingdom of God is the opposite, right? Rather than knock people down the ladder so you can climb up, you're actually supporting and pushing people up the ladder. <laughs> you're staying at the bottom of the ladder and seeing how many people you can get up on it. It's, it's a completely reversed way of looking at it. And so it's really important that when we approach this conversation of our neighbors as authority, that we remind ourselves that they are not adhering to what Scripture says. Now, before I dive into this more, I, I do want to say this, and this is not going to be the theme of it. We do see a massive distinction in how Jesus handles religious leaders who serve Yahweh and the leaders of the world. 
There's a huge distinction, right? The people who are misrepresenting his father, he's got some sharp words for. Because they're actually taking the Lord's name in vain. They're appropriating their behavior and calling it godly. And they're saying, this is now godly behavior. He's like, no, no, no. You know, that's actually what taking the Lord's name in vain is. It's not sort of just replacing his name with a four-letter word. That's obviously not appropriate, but that's not really what the Bible's talking about. Taking the Lord's name in vain is taking wrong behavior and calling it godly. Essentially labeling things in the world as of Yahweh, of God, that aren't. And the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, many of them were doing that in the time of Jesus. And those were the people he's going to turn over the tables on. He's going to call out publicly because he's saying, no, 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 you're supposed to be adhering to scripture and the truth, and you're not. But as it pertains to, um, we see how he acts around uh, military leaders. We see how he acts around guards. We see how he acts around political leaders. We see how he acts around all of these other leaders who are not pretending to be godly. They're not even trying to align with, with Yahweh. They're aligning with the world. It's very, very different. Uh, but what we're going to talk about today is, is handling those that are leaders, that are your neighbors, who are not adhering to Scripture, okay? And, and we do know, like, every pastor knows that when they say yes to pastoring, we are held to a higher standard. But, but can I just remind us, though, too, we're held to a higher standard by God. He's our judge, right? Sometimes people are like, yeah, we're, they're held to a higher standard, so the church needs to be really, really critical of every pastor. We're just going to hyper-analyze every single move and pick them apart because Scripture gives us permission. No, no, no. We are held to a higher standard at Judgment Day. And let me tell you, I have a lot more fear of that moment than any judgment on this side of it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I have a lot more fear of his judgment than people's judgment. But we're not talking about that. That's not the topic today. The topic today is how do we handle those in authority that are over us who are not acting godly. This is a real tension. And, and serving them is a way in which we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. That we're supposed to look for ways to serve them and, and come under them and help them because serving is the backbone of Christian faith and practice. Coming under and supporting. And, but let's be honest, the neighbor that we often overlook is not under us, but over us. We talked about it briefly last week with Zacchaeus, where sometimes it's hard for people to picture the neighbor as a wealthy man. He's wealthy, he's rich, he's fine. When in reality, Zacchaeus was the neighbor that Jesus wanted to go eat at his house, even though he was wealthy and was a man of authority. There are people that have gained authority in the world who are some of the most broken, hurting, and dying people that we have an opportunity to love and encourage and support and scripture is very, very clear on this. Just so you know, this could be a whole series because there's that much on it. The hardest part of writing this sermon is which of the multitude of verses am I going to add in? And it's consistent throughout the whole canon of scripture. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of wiggle room here. So I'm going to speak with a bit of confidence in what I'm saying. It's because it's so clear. This is one of those topics where how we, how we um, handle our authorities in the world is very, very clear. And I shared a story in, uh, last week um, about a moment where um, somebody in authority, when I was a youth student and a leader just screaming at me, absolutely abusing and misusing their uh, authority. And I'm going to be honest with you, um, I didn't handle, my reaction was not good, okay? Um, I, I, it actually set me in a motion that I started to see um, my rebellion as justified, 
Have you ever gotten to this place where you actually start to trash and bash authorities? You start to tear them down. You even try to undermine them. You gossip about them. You slander them. And you find a way to justify it. In week one, we talked about justified division. Um, an undertone of this week's sermon is actually going to be justified rebellion. I was in justified rebellion. I, I like in my mind, this is exactly how I was, I was allowed to act this way. I was allowed, I had my reason, I was a victim, and so I could lash out. And I went on a journey of just blowing up my life, just wreaking havoc on relationships and leaders and struggling to find my place in it. And so it's interesting that when I finally decided I was done wreaking havoc on my life, and I remember on this trip to Canada pulling away and going on a walk in the woods and going, okay, God, I'm just ready to have you back in my life. I'm ready to experiencing you more. And I, and I turned on my favorite like Hillsong worship track. Come on, you got to get real spiritual, put on your favorite worship track, right? I went on a walk in the woods and it was a pine forest. You got the pine smells, the birds are, I'm like, this is perfect. I'm going to get the setting right. And so naturally I'm going to experience the presence of God just like I did before this mess started. And what's interesting is all I heard from God is you need to go apologize to your leaders. And I'm like, no, God, absolutely not. They need to apologize to me, right? Like they need to come my way and apologize to me. I had so much just, I couldn't, I was getting so angry at God going, no, 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 no. I am right. I am right. And he's like, you got to go apologize. You got to go make it right. You, 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 you need to go find a way to get back into alignment with your authorities. Because guess what? I have put authorities over you. Jesus has the view that all authority is given by God. There is this reality. But church, can I tell you that all authority is from God, but not all authorities act godly at all times. So realize what you honor is you honor the authority even when the person is not deserving of any honor. See, see, actually the position, God is saying, hey, there's actually, I've honored authority structures because I created authority structures. We, we serve a Godhead. There is authority structures in heaven. Did you, did you know this? Oh, I'm gonna burst someone's bubble. Someone's gonna get real mad at me right now. There's gonna be authority in heaven. Yeah, you're going to be under authority for eternity. <laughs> you're not going to be in charge. Isn't it crazy? You're not going to be in charge, and you're going to love it. Because we were designed to be under authority. We were created for this. And the rebellion inside of us, when we're fighting against authority, what we don't realize is we're actually fighting against structures that God created. Now, again, humans... Throughout history, use and abuse their positions of authority. But there's still this reality that Jesus looks at Pontius Pilate, the man who he knows is going to crucify him, crucified all kinds of people, would be considered evil by any terms in today's world. He looks at him and goes, God gave you your authority. What a statement. What a statement. So I went on this journey of, of really fighting with this. But when I came back, I remember, and I realigned with authority. Actually, did you know that until I actually came back and apologized to pastors, apologized to leaders in my life, got back under authority, I never for a second began to see my calling and my purpose even begin to happen until I made that step. I was actually stuck until I was willing to go back and serve 
my authorities as my neighbor, to love them as myself. And then all of a sudden, things began to come into clarity. You see, Romans 13, verse 1 through 2 and 5 through 7 is what we're going to read. I'm going to read this section. This lays it out so clear. Here we've got the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Rome. And I love to remind everybody, the church in Rome, this is the most persecuted of the, the churches at this point. I mean, they are under the rule of tyrannical authorities, okay? And these are the words he writes. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Okay, so right out the gate, he's talking about government, right? Here, he's probably confident knowing that Jesus reminded everybody, hey, we give to Caesar what is due to Caesar's. We honor authority, all authorities given by God. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. We have to deal with this verse, church. We have to wrestle with this. Essentially, we are not permitted to treat authorities the way the world does. I'm going to tell you, this, is, this message today might be the most unpopular message I could preach in 2023 in America. And I know that. I'm going into it full well. But this, this has been a journey of my lifetime. I am a naturally rebellious person. And so if you are too, we can connect, okay? My personality, God made me to like push back on any boundaries. I'm going to try to stretch those boundaries to the edge. That's my natural reaction. And yet I've learned that there is something about honoring authority structures. There's something deeply spiritual when we do this. And so here the apostle Paul firmly believes that which Jesus believed, all authority has been established by God. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, okay? And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves, Essentially, I think Paul is basically saying, your rebellion's hurting you more than anybody else. Your rebellion is stalling out your calling. Your rebellion is actually hurting your personal authority that you carry. It's hurting you. You're bringing judgment on yourself. You're inviting dysfunction into your life. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. I love this. He takes it beyond just like, well, I have to do it because they could wreck my life. They could fire me. They could hurt me. They could put me in jail. They could, that's the only reason I'm ever in alignment. But really, he's saying, I want you to get down to your conscience. I want there to be a matter of conscience. That there's a part of you that knows that, that for you to align with the way God made you, you need to honor and submit to these authority structures. I love this. Not only because of punishment. Because it's a matter of conscience. This is why you also pay taxes, right? Again, here he's referencing what Jesus tells us. For the authorities of our God's servants who give their full time to governing, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And this is challenging. And, and, and hopefully at no point do you hear this message and say that I'm just saying you, we just are to submit to any abuse that ever comes our way. And, and if, you're, if you're in a, an extremely abusive situation, there are so many ways to get out from that. What I'm talking about is the structures of authority, to view the authorities in the world the way God does. And for me, I've found that it's hard to submit to the authority of Jesus when I am in open rebellion towards the leaders he has placed over me. It's really difficult for me to find myself covered by Jesus's authority 
when I'm in open rebellion to those he's placed over me. Because he's inviting me to say, hey, I actually want you to love them as a neighbor. Yeah, but Jesus, don't you know what they've done? Don't you know what they've asked of me? Don't you know how hypocritical they are? Don't you know how dysfunctional they are? Don't you know how greedy they are? Don't you know how shameful they are? And he's going, I, I, what I actually want you to do is I want you to treat them as you would treat me. I, I want you to love them, love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to see them as a neighbor. I don't want you to pass them, but I want you to support them and watch the blessings that I can bring into your life. Watch the covering I'm going to bring for you. Matthew 28, 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has authority. Yet he asks us to submit to authorities within the world. And this is challenging. It's one thing to submit to a great boss or a great leader or a great parent or a great teacher. We do it willingly, don't we? We just love it. Oh, they care about my growth. They care about my future. They see my potential. They speak life into me. They're so encouraging. They're so uplifting. But what about the dysfunctional ones? Anybody ever been under a dysfunctional authority? You ever? <laughs> Nick's like, my hand's up. Yep, okay. Let's just be honest. We know this experience. There was one that came to mind for me. Um, I had a really humbling moment um, when I was working for Domino's Pizza. Come on, just the highlight of my life. I was working for Domino's. And, um, and, and we had a new manager. And um, I had gotten this job, and I was delivering pizzas, and I was actually making really good money. I was putting money away. I was trying to make it in ministry. And, and, and we got a new manager, a new general manager of the store. And she got put over the store, and she was trying to, like, prove something to everybody about how organized she was. And really, with Domino's, the way it was is, like, once you got in, they would check your driving record prior to getting work to work there, and then no one ever checked it again. Like, they were supposed to do these routine checks, but nobody did it because they didn't want to lose a bunch of their drivers. Like, they didn't want anything to come up. And so um, I had gotten hired, and then I'd gone on a bit of, like, a ticket spree. You know what I mean? Like, those, like, you just, everybody ever go on a good, I was on a hot streak. I mean, I was getting pulled over monthly. Um, I was racking up tickets. I was right on the verge of a suspension. And I was beyond what they would allow a Domino's driver to have. Well, this manager wanted to do her due diligence. She comes in. She runs everyone's driving reports. And I'm convinced, this is my theory, you know, as, you know, I was probably 19 years old, 18, 19, somewhere there. My theory was I was the fastest pizza maker in the state, and she just wanted me in the store. She didn't want me out on the roads, right? And so she was trying to get me off the roads. And so she actually said, oh, hey, we'll pro um, we see you can't drive anymore, but we're going to promote you to assistant manager. It's a demotion. It was like half the money, right? Had anybody ever got a promotion with less money? This is what this was. I got promoted into working longer hours for less money and doing harder work. It was great. So I got off the road, was no longer able to deliver pizzas, and she put me right under her. And, and this manager did not have a work ethic. This manager had no interest in making pizzas. This manager had no interest in managing staff. In fact, her obsession was she would watch YouTube videos of babies laughing. I'm not kidding. Whole compilations for hours on end. She would be in her office and she'd be like, Sam, Sam, you got to see this one. And I'm looking at little demon babies cackling and it's creepy. It is the weirdest like thing. She would just watch videos. I mean, all over and I'd hear it from the office, just these horrible giddy little laugh. Some are cute, some are not, okay? Most babies aren't cute. I'm so sorry, people. The Most of them are little baby dinosaurs, and they get cute by the time they're, they're about toddlers, okay? And I remember just the dysfunction of the leadership 
She was making me schedule everybody. She was making me do her job. But I just come through this journey of learning how to handle authority. And I remember learning the lesson in this season that I would never learn to lead without first learning how to follow. And there was something started to come in and I was going, I'm going to do this one different. And I'm going to support differently. And I'm going to take this store, I'm going to own it. I'm going to care about our ratings. I'm going to care about, I don't get the bonus, but I'm going to work hard to get her a bonus. And something started to click in my spirit. I'm going to approach this differently. There's no justification for me to work hard. I have every excuse to be lazy. I have every excuse, but you know what? I believe that my life is in God's hands, not hers. She is not the holder of my future, but God is. And there's something where you can start to realize that actually, if all authority has been given by God, whether they act godly or not is not of your concern. Because do you believe that as it pertains to leadership, that you will reap what you sow into your leaders? I wonder, do you believe this? Do you believe that the the, the idea of sowing and reaping, I'm going to get out of this what I put into this, is actually not just an idea, but a promise? That God's saying, hey, if you will sow into this Domino's pizza, like your whole calling and future depends on it, I know I'm going to trust you with more. If you will take this little and be so faithful with it and serve so diligently and actually prop up this person and actually support them and be in their corner and do this well, if you will do this, I'm going to see it and I'm going to bring the increase. Because if you're faithful with a little, I will trust you with more. Some of you guys right now are in a role, you're in a position, you're in a situation with a leader that is unworthy of your service. But today I'm hoping just a little bit that I might challenge you to consider to love them them like a neighbor. You can come up with a lot of reasons, but I actually believe, to, to be rebellious, but I actually believe that you might reap what you sow into that leader. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 was a transformative verse for me in those younger years. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. This last part, I remember reading this and something clicked. When I'm rebellious, I make their job miserable. I'm adding work to them. I'm making it harder for them. If I'm rebellious, I'm not getting a promotion. I'm not getting a raise. What benefit does rebellion bring to me? I couldn't come up with one. I couldn't see a single, well, they're going to learn their lesson. Really? Like, do you think that your rebellion is going to teach them that lesson? Because I actually find that setting a higher standard usually calls them up to it. That actually the better reaction is changing the culture, leading by example, showing service, helping and committing to it. What's interesting is I'm not going to go on some laundry list of toxic leaders that I've been under, but let me just be honest, that wasn't the last one in Domino's. There's always going to be leaders that you're under that you go, you know what, I believe that I'm going to reap what I sow into this. And it's of no benefit to me to be rebellious, to not serve, to not come under Even now, you might be like, well, Pastor Sam, you're the lead pastor. Well, how does this pertain to you? You're not under authority. Oh, yes, I am. In fact, I've worked so hard 
to be under layers of authority. Ryan and Melissa, who did announcements, they're on the elder board, right? We have a, a team of elders that I'm accountable to on a week-to-week basis. I actually submit to the Assemblies of God, which is a fellowship of churches, not a denomination. They don't run our church, but they are an authority. They are a covering that I've chosen to submit to. I have my credentials with them. They are leaders over my life that hold me accountable to a level of morality and leadership and health that I have to adhere to. We've also instituted advisory elders into our bylaws. We've actually um, asked some wise pastors and counselors to be actually mentors to Renee and I personally that we chose to submit to, let alone all of the mentors and people that I'm going after for me. And let's just be honest, I'm a pastor. I'm accountable to all of you. There's a piece. I'm here to serve a congregation. There's never going to be a day where you should get out from under authority. If you are the boss, if you are in charge, if you're the head of a family and the head of a company, you need to go find some authority that you submit to and say, I'm giving you permission to hold me accountable. I'm giving you permission to call me out when I'm out of alignment. You have that right. You have that authority. All of us need to be submitted to somebody because God created these authority structures. We need, and and, and then if we do our work in such a way that we are a joy, not a burden to those in authority, it is of significant benefit to us. I really believe this too. Just gonna challenge something. I really believe how you leave one job is going to affect how you start the next. I'm a firm believer in this. I am not a bridge builder. Now, if your authority wants to burn the bridge, that's on them. And that happens sometimes. And you have to leave in peace as much as you can and walk away. Uh, but for me, I am a firm believer on, hey, if, if I came under their authority, I want their blessing. I want their blessing. And, and if they're healthy enough or, or there's even the possibility to have that conversation, and there's multiple people in this service right now that I've had conversations as you've transitioned. What does this look like? Have a conversation. Have communication. And sometimes we think, oh, that would never go well. I've just found that a lot of honor goes a really long ways. When I come in honoring and say, I just... I just value your opinion. I'm under your authority. And I'd love to know what you think. I'd love to know your consideration here. And, and I'm going to invite them in. I'm going to give them opportunities. Whether I take the advice or not, I'm going to give them that opportunity to speak into it. We don't burn bridges. We don't burn bridges. We're trying to build bridges. And for a lot of people, you're struggling. You're going from one job to the next. And for some reason, in your mind, I don't know what it is. Everywhere I go, the leaders are horrible. You might need to start going, okay, am I not the best employee? Am I not the best at serving those in authority? Am I not making it, am I not a joy to lead? Am I not a joy to lead? There's been, I've been put under people where everyone tells me, oh, get ready. They're horrible. They're the worst leaders you'll ever experience. And then none of that ever comes true. I'm like, I had a great experience with them. It was awesome. We communicated. We had conversations. I'd bring them stuff. I'd come and talk to them. I'd ask their opinion. I'd include them. I'd let them know what I was thinking. I don't know. I didn't have that same experience. I've had people say, well, when you want to leave here, make sure you, you, you wait until you have your next job lined up. Anybody ever had something, heard something like that too? Be like, you better have that next job lined up. Because the second you tell them, you're out. That day, you're probably packing your office. I've heard this in ministry too. And then I go and have a conversation way ahead of time. Hey, leader, I, I feel a stirring. And I, I think that there might be something else out for me. I don't have a timeline yet, but I want to invite you into this conversation. 
And that same person that everybody told me over and over again, whatever you do, just don't, don't invite them in. Just you better hide from them. and go, no, no, they're their authority. If I can get their blessing, I believe it's going to be better for me. Remember Elijah chasing Eli- or Elisha chasing Elijah to try to get the double portion, the double anointing? He's like, no, no, no. Elijah's like, please, go, go. And he's like, no, no, I got to see you leave. I need your mantle to fall on me. I want that blessing. I'm going to fight for that blessing. There's something about saying, you know what? I'm going to choose because why? I'm, I'm ultimately, I'm not serving you. I'm ultimately serving the God who created the authority position that you're in. And he honors this structure. And so if I can get this blessing, it'll be better for me. It'll be better for them. It's going to be better for everybody. I'm just going to be honest. It's, it's like, it's not easy. It can be challenging. It can be hard. And we get it wrong all the time. But there's these moments if we can just say, you know what? I'm going to come under. And am I saying a message of, well, Pastor Sam, are you just talking about blind obedience, blind submission, just being some sort of lemming? Absolutely not. You, you can have respectful disagreement without it being dishonor. Respectful disagreement is not automatically dishonor. A lot of times it's the way in which we present the disagreement. I can actually disagree and push back with honor. I can respectfully give another viewpoint. There's a way to say it with honor. There's a way to say it with respect. I understand you have the final call, but I just want to know, have you thought about this way? Have you thought about this angle? We never want to become people that that act like any pushback is absolutely disrespectful and dishonoring. But at the end of the day, you're my authority, and I know that. The benefits of rebellion are fleeting. Come on, it feels good for a second, doesn't it? Woo, I got like a whole bunch of people rallied with me. We've like drawn lines in the sand. We're going to battle against our authorities. We're letting them know that they're toxic. I'm coming for their job. I'm attacking them. It's really, just to let you know, it's so fleeting. So fleeting. Because it's contrary to what Jesus invites us to. All the disciples, that's what they wanted. They're like, woo! I'm bringing a sword. You know, I can't you just picture like Peter and the disciples like, should I do it? Should I bring it? Like, you know, he didn't do this alone. Like, they're like, Peter, you bring the sword. You, you kind of seem to, you can overcome a lot of mistakes. You bring the sword. He seems to love you the most. You be the one. Like, let's set a tone here. Like, we need to rebel. And Jesus puts the ear back on and goes, no, this isn't how we do this. This isn't how we handle people in authority. Yes, is what they're doing completely unjust? 100% but they're going to do what they're going to do. And I trust God. I put my trust in him. I don't need to take this into my own hands. I believe in the justice of my father and his justice wins out in the end. So I don't need to have some fleeting rebellion that gives me a rush and makes me feel good for a second just to tear people down. No, no, I'm going to be somebody who serves and the keys can come on up. But the challenge is church, right? Most authority is appointed over us, not chosen by us. Most authorities, we just sort of inherit. And, um, you know, we live in America, and there's this freedom to vote, and, which is amazing. What a, what a privilege. What a right. But you don't always get the person you vote for. <laughs> it's often people are appointed, and they get to hold that office. And many times they use it in a way that doesn't align with Scripture. Things that just grind against us, that cause us to grieve, cause us to even mourn at times from the dysfunction that's there. And yet in the midst of all that, Jesus is saying, I need you. Yes, let's try to get healthy leaders in. Let's push back. Let's respectfully, honorably disagree with ways of thinking. Let's not allow them to invite us into sin, right? We know where Jesus drew the line is he would never allow himself to be caused to sin in the name of respecting authority. 
right? The disciples, the Peters and the apostles answered in at one point in scripture, we must obey God rather than men. God is first. But if you have that viewpoint, then we can't ignore virtually every New Testament book challenging us on authority over and over and over again. Going, you need to handle these authorities well. How you are under them. You're going to reap what you sow from this. Do you want to benefit from it? Honor, love, support. Be a joy to lead. And I'm just going to be honest. When I've been under dysfunctional leader, leaders, it's hard. But I trust God enough that he's going to lead me out. If I do my part and I honor and I take... He's going to lead me out. I'm not going to stay there. He's watching. I don't know. I just, I wonder where your theology's at on God wanting to test people. See, I see in scripture that he tests, he does not tempt. And even when it comes to generosity and giving, he actually invites us. He says, test me in this. We actually get to test him in our generosity. But we do, like, right? There's examples like Job, if you don't know the story, where the devil comes to God and says, I want to I mess. He's your best follower. I want to mess with him. And God goes, go ahead and relieves and allows the devil to test him. And I just wonder, have you ever asked the question, if you're under dysfunctional authorities right now, have you ever asked God, God, did you put me here for a reason? Are you allowing me to stay here for a reason? Am I, am I called to bring healing to them and those around me by the way in which I submit and honor and treat them as a neighbor, love them as a neighbor. Is that why you have me here? What a different posture. You put me here so I can cause a coup. I'm going to get a bunch of people on my side. Let's rally. Woo! We're going to take them down. I'm just, how do I change the verbiage in the office? How do I change the verbiage in my family? How do I, how do I shift the conversation? How do I be that good Samaritan. So the person who's taking hits right now, I wonder, is there dysfunctional leadership because they're insecure? Maybe I could build their confidence a little bit. I wonder, is there dysfunctional leadership because they had dysfunctional leadership? Are they just following what they were taught? I wonder if I could break that cycle and serve up and lead up. God has made it clear. Submission and service to bosses, to governing authorities, to parents, to teachers, you name it, authority figures, is an essential part of loving our neighbors properly. Sometimes our neighbor is that person that's over us. And I've just found in my life, it's the easiest thing for the devil to tempt me into hate for toxic authority. It just, it feels so, like, unjust can feel so wrong. It can, it can just, it can hurt us, right? It, it's such a difficult, this is such a difficult conversation, and I understand that. But can I remind us that there is no reward for loving those who love you? All people do that. I believe it's how we handle toxic leaders. That's the real test. i end with this verse, and you can stand to your feet as I do. 1 Peter 2.19. This was actually Peter writing to uh those Christians that were actually in slavery at the time. Now, slavery at this time 
was, was, was not really what we see within American history of slavery. This was different. It was typically indentured servants, people who owed so much money or were, had to work their way, and, but they were still slaves. But it's actually a passage that applies to all of us. If he would speak this to somebody in that level of toxic leadership, this is his invitation that Peter invites us to when it comes to leaders. He thinks this, for God is pleased when, when we're conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Not a hard verse. <laughs> and when we're conscious of his will, Peter actually believed. After walking with Jesus, after experiencing all the things he did, he would actually go as far to say, leave that up there. Leave that there. For God is pleased when conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Patiently. I hate that part. That means it could be a little while. You know, I, I just, that's hard. And most of us, we're not under the type of toxic leadership that would be anywhere near called slavery. We live in America. You chose many of those jobs and that were those roles. And yet when we patiently endure it, God is pleased. So hopefully today, as we just sort of talked about this topic more than anything else, I really hope that we've allowed ourselves to be challenged. Maybe there's some people in our life that are over us that it's really hard to come under and support and love and serve. And I wonder if we could work to just do a little bit better at that this week. Find a way to bless them. Find a way to give them a gift. Find a way to support them better. Find a way to encourage them. They just might be toxic because they don't know what it's like to be loved. They just might be toxic because they're far from Jesus. They just might be toxic because they're hurt. And we could serve up. We could lead up. And I believe that when we do that, we're actually following the way of Jesus and how he chose to, to serve those in authority. So let's pray right now. And I feel right now to pray over authorities. I'm not going to pray over us. We're going to pray for those in authority right now. There's people in our city, in our area that are struggling to lead. And we're going to lift them up. We're going to pray over them. So Holy Spirit, we take a moment and we pray that your presence would begin to meet the leaders of our community. Those that have been put in authority. God, we understand that you created authority, but people have the right to misuse that authority. And so, God, while they may not be acting godly, I pray that you would move in their life. The Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would bring discernment to the political leaders. God, that for ones that maybe have been struggling and, and, and working outside of your will, God, I pray that there would be radical moments in your presence that you would bring conviction, God, to their decisions. Holy Spirit, I pray for those in this room and, and other Christians in our area who are positioned in places to serve up, to lead up, to those in authority. God, I pray we would be examples of you, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would not sort of fight for some sort of justified rebellion, but instead, God, we would have a heart of a servant, that we would see them as neighbors and, and, and find ways to serve them, to mend wounds, to bring healing as best we can, God. And Lord, we believe that you are pleased when we serve. You are pleased when we endure. You are pleased when we speak the right words, God, when we avoid gossip and slander, Lord Jesus. So God, I pray you'd equip us and move through us to see our authorities as our neighbors. God, we love you. 
and we praise you. And everybody in the house who loved Jesus said, everybody in the house who loved Jesus said, amen, amen. amen.